Welcome to Step Zero, where we learn about the people behind the amazing work that we see. How did they push through Step Zero and launch their passion projects? Aaron founded The Upside to allow solopreneurs to have the flexibility to meet their lifestyle and to give businesses the help that they need. By connecting solopreneurs and businesses, she has changed the way working works. Let's hear how she did it. Thank you, Erin, for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear about your work with The Upside and how you got into creating this company and maybe start off by sharing a little bit about The Upside and anything you're excited about. Oh, I'm excited about so much. Um, so the Upside was created to match businesses with best-in-class, scalable, flexible, and on-demand talent. Essentially, I created it to help women. It's for men and women, but it was really created because the, the need was for women who had these sort of big careers and maybe now they lived in the suburbs or they had children and just working full-time and having kids and it just, it's really difficult. And I had enjoyed a seven-year stretch as an independent contractor. I was a consultant for that whole time. And I had my kids during that time. And it afforded me the flexibility I needed and wanted. Plus, I set my own rates and I made good money. And I, if I didn't want to work with someone, I just didn't. Um, I had a lot of choice, a lot of flexibility, a lot of autonomy. And I, I just said, I have to help other people do this because although it's not for everyone, it's sort of a hybrid between employee and entrepreneur. So it's not for everybody, but for a certain type of woman or man, it's just such an awesome career path. And so that's, that's really why I created The Upside. Mm -hmm. You're saying that there's this need for women. Did that come from you just talking to your friends or was that also something that you were feeling? So I had already done it. So I started yeah. doing it. I started consulting before I even had kids. There's a few things that happened that led to starting the business. It was a long time coming. But the first thing that happened was my first child, he is fine now, perfectly normal and healthy, but he was not born well. So he required heart surgeries. And at that time, I was already consulting. So I had all this flexibility. He had doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment. And then he had two surgeries, which was each of those was a week in the hospital and many, many appointments after that. So I thought to myself in the hospital, how in the world would anyone be able to do this if they worked full time? They would have had to quit their job, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd be impossible. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to leave my son to go to work. That, and he's like hooked up to machines and hanging on. And so that was the first thing that happened that just sort of like sparked this idea, like how would somebody deal with this if they worked full time? Well, I'm so grateful that I had started consulting before I ever even had kids. Then the second kid came even more like, whoa, like this is even harder. Now there's two kids and two <laughs> needs and now I'm stretched in all these different directions. Then we moved to the suburbs. So now I'm like dealing with a house and moving and commuting and childcare and, you know, just all these different things that most people have to deal with on a normal basis. And I was already out on my own. So I was able to handle all of that and still make good money and keep my clients because I didn't have to work 50 hours a week. I didn't have to commute if I didn't want to. And then the biggest trigger was it was I was already out in the suburbs and 
this was probably around 2016, my Facebook started getting inundated with all these kind of multi-level marketing requests from other women in my same stage of life who were just sort of disenfranchised by their careers and maybe they had already left their careers and they were selling you know, Rodin and Fields and Stella and Dot. And I was like, why all of a sudden, all these women, women I went to college with, why is everybody selling this stuff? Join my team, sell this stuff, best life ever. And I was like, what is all this? And I did a lot of research into those businesses. And the conclusion I came to was, they're not selling skincare, they're selling a dream. They're selling a turnkey kind of micro franchise they're allowing women to feel like they own a business, that they have control over their work. And they make it fun. Mm-hmm. They make it really fun. And there's community around it. And there is money to be made. It's not a joke. If you treat it like a business, you can make a really good living doing it. And that was the spark. I was like, there is such a market. There is such an untapped talent pool of college-educated, 15-plus years experience in the corporate world, women who just want to work, but they want to work flexibly on their own terms, and businesses just have not caught up to it. But I knew from my experience that the clients gain just as much as the consultants. My clients, I had the same clients for seven years. I never had to get more clients. They just kept using me over and over and over again because they benefited too. They had a director of marketing on demand. They never had to hire someone in-house. And I could flex and scale with, with their evolving needs. So it kind of benefited both. And I just thought, I just have to educate businesses and bring these two parties together and hope it works out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely is. <laughs> so Yeah, well, so far, so good. But it's, you know, yeah. there's obviously a ton of challenges. You know, I don't For want sure. people to think that it's just I snap my fingers and everyone's working. It's, it's, there's a lot involved. It's, it's mm-hmm. very tricky. So did you always want to start a business? Always. Or? Okay, so you already always. knew and you didn't know what it would be. Well, it's not my first business either. I had a oh. business in my 20s. Um, I call it my real-life MBA And it costs almost the same, too. Um, But before manufacturing was what it was today, this was when you had to outsource to China everything. But I had a handbag line in my 20s. And it was a great run, but I was literally doing it while I was working a full-time job. It just wasn't sustainable. And I was just, by the time I was ready to leave the full-time job to take that on, to take the handbag company on full-time. I was so burnt out from doing both basically full-time. You know, I was putting in 100-hour weeks. I had boxes of product in my apartment to the ceiling. I was over it. I was done. So I just didn't have the passion or energy for it anymore. And I kind of thought to myself, why in the world did I get into that business? That was a dumb idea. That was a terrible business to get into. You know, you can't make money. You think everyone's making money if they're in in style or they're not. So that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) So I closed that business down. But I always knew there'd be another chapter. So it was just a matter of finding an idea that I was passionate about. And that also tapped into my best skills and that also I could make money doing. Mm -hmm. And I said, never again will I have a product, although I have lots of product ideas in my head. So who knows? But (laughs) I said, never again will I do a physical product with inventory. Uh You were saying I want to include my passions into it. Now, how did you 
go about that? How did you try to find out what that passion is? Or did you have multiple passions and it was a matter of choosing one? This was something that, here's the thing. I, I knew I was good at consulting. I knew it because when I spoke to other people about being a consultant, they either said, oh, how did you do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to start. Or if they were consulting, they were like, God, it's just such a hustle. Like, it's such a hustle. I'm like, really? Because it's not the way I do it. The way Mm -hmm. I do it's not a hustle. It's like the best life ever. It's the best gig ever. And I thought to myself, you know, I think I'm actually very good at being a consultant. I'm good at getting business. I'm good at keeping business. I'm good at knowing the right types of companies to work with. I know how to get. Mm -hmm. I knew how to price myself well. I knew how to do it the right way. And I advise people off the record, just kind of like friends or, you know, I'd help people along the way and saw them gaining success. And I thought, well, clearly I'm good at this. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about this topic. I'm a feminist, mm-hmm. you know, by nature. Yes. And I, and I mean, I always have been and I, my husband's a feminist and my kids are feminists, my boys. I just always felt like this is ridiculous that all women really are asking for is flexibility. Not every woman. It doesn't, if you have kids, you need flexibility. And that's men too. It's parents in general. We have to support families in this country. You know, there's just no support for families and really not a lot of support for mothers. And I think that is absolutely ridiculous. So that's what I'm passionate about. Passionate about the future of work. I'm passionate about changing the way working works for women and That is what drove me because I find it just so unacceptable that a woman with an MBA is going to opt out of her career because she's stretched so thin mentally. These women are commuting typically. They're coming home after a long day. They've got kids that are, haven't seen them all day, jumping all over the place because now it's six, seven o'clock. Somebody Mm -hmm. has to put dinner on the table. So they usually don't. They're usually eating takeout because... Who can put dinner on the table if you're walking in the door at seven o'clock? Then the kids, you know, bath time, books, they go down. Then you haven't seen your husband all day if you're married. By that time, you're, you're done. It's over. You know, there's no time to read a book or watch TV or unwind. I mean, then your house is a mess after feeding the kids and it just, it goes on and on. It's very stressful and, and it just shouldn't be so hard. I mean, you obviously went through that. I'm just curious how you were able to, you know, set your foot down and say, I want to start this. Um, I want to launch The Upside because you're so busy with so many things in your life and raising the family oh God, and yeah. like with your consultant gigs. Yeah, I'm just curious, like how you were able to say, you know, today's the day that I want to really work on this. Well, luckily, I have a very supportive husband. So that's one part. And the other thing, and there's just so many parts to this question that I I just hope I remember everything because I I don't want to leave anything out. There's so many parts to it. So first of all, I have a supportive husband. Part of the timing, too, was that my littlest one was going into nursery school where he would be in school till 2 o'clock. Well, that's a big difference than when they're not in school or in school till noon. You know, that's most of the day. So the sort of guilt was not there anymore. I felt like, you know what, you're in school all day. Like, that's good enough for me. Like, I'm, I feel good about that. And then the other thing is my husband and I, by the time I started The Upside, we had already together over the years worked out a balance at home that felt very equal. So I speak to women about that all the time and men where flexibility starts at home. 
And it's okay. It can take years to get there, like it did with me, of just sort of figuring out, well, I feel overwhelmed today. Why do I feel overwhelmed? Okay, well, it's because I'm responsible for X, Y, Z, and or like the nanny didn't show up. Okay, now I'm expected to cancel all my meetings today and whatever I had going on to deal with that. But my husband gets to go to work. And over time, I kind of realized, well, that just isn't fair. And I don't care who's making more money or who has more responsibility. It has to be divided up equally so that each of us feels like we're not drowning. And so we got to a point over the years where we really worked it out, where we feel like each one of us is taking on enough at home. So that was one part of it. The other part is, I like to be really honest about this. Look, I'm married. I have another income. You know, he has income. So that makes a big difference. You know, I didn't have that when I started my handbag business. I was on my own. I didn't have another another income coming in. You know, I really had to work full time while I was building a business and it just wasn't sustainable over the years. And, you know, I like to make that very clear to people because it is a privilege and it is something that I do not take for granted. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Now, we don't have unlimited pockets to invest in the upside, but just the fact that I can work on the upside full time is a privilege unto itself. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that and I recognize that. So that was another part of the puzzle as well, was we are at a point where I could stop consulting. I did not want to do them at the same time. I always tell people, whether it's a consultant or someone starting a business, you have to make room for the business. You have to make room for it. And I knew if I consulted at the same time that I tried to build the upside, I wouldn't be making enough room for the upside in my life. I wouldn't be putting forth the effort that it deserved and that it would need to really get off the ground. So I think, you know, those were sort of the stars aligning of the timing and why I decided to do it when I did it. Were there any mental preparations that you had to do? Or some people they like to make timelines of, I don't get this out by like three to six months, then maybe I'll consider other options. What do you think really helped you have the confidence to really do it, even though all the stars align? There's really nothing that's holding them back besides confidence. And I think... Yeah, I speak about confidence constantly. That Mm -hmm. is a big, big part of my business. Because Mm -hmm. that's, I think, I think that can separate the winners from the losers, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is confidence. Mm -hmm. And do you think that stems from the uncertainty and how we deal with uncertainty? Honest to God, I think it's either in you or it isn't. Okay. I really do. Like, I, I, I have always been very confident. I don't know why. Uh I don't think uh I deserve to be necessarily. I just... My uh-huh. parents used to always joke, like even as a kid, they'd be like, wow, wow, you just misconfident over there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why I was so confident, mm-hmm. but I just was. I just always kind of felt like, why not me? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, winning Miss America or anything. I mean, there's certain things that are just beyond our uh-huh. abilities, but, uh-huh. but I mean, I'm talking about, you know, things that are relatively attainable. Well, why not me? Mm-hmm. If, if he can do it or if she can do it, why, why can't I? You know, I'm just as smart or creative or outgoing, whatever it is, why not me? And I just always had the confidence. I don't know. I I also always worked with men. So I came from the private equity and real estate space. And I think think that that rubbed off on me Mm -hmm. a little bit. I just think men in business do come off as more confident. I think 
at least in my generation, I think most people would agree with that. And I guess just by osmosis of some sort, <laughs> you know, maybe they rubbed off on me a lot too. And I really enjoyed working with all of them. Maybe being in that environment also helped with confidence. Did you have any ounce of self-doubt when starting The Upside? Of course, because if you don't have any self-doubt, then you're, you're not human. I mean, yeah. you can't go into a business and think, 100% I'm going to be the next Apple. You can have aspirations, but you have to also, you have to be realistic, realistic and understand yeah. that the economic climate can change, market trends can change, your personal finances could change. And, you know, what if my husband's business goes under and now I need to go back to work? I would have to leave the upside if we had an immediate financial crisis. There's all sorts of things that can happen and you would be foolish to go into it and not think that something could go wrong. Uh, you can get sued. You can, you know, when you're starting a business, you have to take a lot of risk. And sometimes it, there are risks that you can afford and sometimes you can't. But to, to go big, you have to take risks. Risk also includes potential lawsuits. It includes high risk, high reward. So you have to anticipate those things. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, I thought about all the things that could go wrong. I think one of the things that I did that is one of the better things I did mentally before I started this business was I put on my business hat when I was hashing out the, the business model. And I took a look at everything. And, and I said, you know what, looking at this model, I think it's going to take three years before this is really a big thing and really like a business that would attract maybe VC money or whatever. I said, it's going to take three years. And I think really what I meant by that was three years for me to be satisfied with where it is. And I said that before even getting my business cards printed. So I stuck with that. And I, anytime I got frustrated or anytime I sort of hit a, a brick wall, I would say, I told myself three years I have to remember that because I said it when my head was still screwed on straight and I wasn't in this business with like the emotions and the passion. You know, I said it with my business hat on and I have to stick with that. Mm -hmm. It was because of setting that timeline. It really helped you manage whenever you ran into any problems or the doubts of getting lawsuits and like things that you were mentioning. You kept thinking, you know, it's okay. I have the three year mark. And that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm aiming mm -hmm. for is the three-year mark. And that's hard because, yeah, sure. because, you know, I want that satisfaction now. Of course I do. Any, any business owner who says they don't <laughs> is a big fat liar. I want it now. I want, every, I want to be like the biggest name in this industry. But I said it before I got in it. It's going to take three years. And I still actually believe that. And when I get frustrated, and it does happen, I can tell you all sorts of stories about things that have happened that are, you know, the brick walls in my past year. And, you know, I just say, okay, that was a learning experience or how do I grow from that? And how do I shift and change and stay open-minded? And yeah, three years. And I look back on the first year and I'm, I'm honest to God, like I'm actually kind of amazed at what was accomplished in one year. So mm -hmm. I think, okay, if I could take that and triple it, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's going to be a good business. Mm -hmm. And how, how many years has it been? It's been a little over a year. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, a, you know, a third of the way there. 
<laughs> no, no pressure. Still going, but still going strong. So. Yeah, still got a ton of momentum. But mm-hmm. it's funny because one thing that's also important is, you know, you set financial goals. You set certain benchmarks. You're like, I'm going to do X million in year one. And obviously I'm exaggerating, but you, you say, oh, I'm going to close this many deals or have this many clients or get this X amount of traction in year one. And just crumple up that paper mm-hmm. and just throw it out the door. Because mm-hmm. if you can just survive year one, you're in good shape. Don't mm-hmm. even expect to make a ton of money or anything. I just decided to stop benchmarking with numbers. And people will even ask me, oh, how many people have you placed? Or how, many, how much money is the company making? And I'm just like, you know what? I don't even keep track anymore. I'm just not counting. Like, I'm just three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just that. Mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. years. So, mm-hmm. um, so we'll have to talk again in you know, <laughs> 2020. Yeah. And when you were creating that plan for three years, was it – based off of your expectations for yourself and like what you knew your capabilities were. How did you come up with that three-year plan? It was a combination of private equity experience and my own personal lifestyle. So you know what? I'm not willing to work till 10 o'clock every night. I have a family. I have a husband that I actually enjoy spending time with. You know, I have kids that I want to snuggle with at night. We eat dinner together as a family every single night except for Saturdays is our date night. But other than that, we eat dinner as a family every night and we like to travel as a family. You know, I'm not willing to sacrifice my family or my life for a business, but it is a full-time job. I am putting in 40 to 50 hours a week, but most entrepreneurs would put in a lot more than that. So the three years is because I already did the 100-hour-a-week thing, and I burnt out in a year. If I'm going to make it to three years, I've got to pace myself. So even though last night I was working till definitely till 1 in the morning, those nights are not frequent. That's only if I'm working on something exciting and I just don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. It's never mm-hmm. drudgery. You know, if I get to a point, too, where I'm feeling like last Friday I was frustrated about something and and I we don't have to get into the details but it was like two o'clock I was like you know what I'm closing shop like I turned off the computer and I just like enjoyed the day I ran errands I didn't work for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. and I know that I have to do those things in order to pace myself because if I kept on working through the frustration that is going to cause me to burn out and my clients and the consultants They can't afford for me to burn out. This has to work. People are depending on the upside to work. So that's where that three years came from. If Mm -hmm. I were 28 again with no husband and no kids, I would definitely have said a year and a half to two years. Mm -hmm. But I'm not working at the same pace that I was before. Mm -hmm. And throughout this one year, I'm sure you like went in with expectations What do you think has changed or was it a lot better? And are you getting that purpose that you are looking for? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a few things that have really surprised me and things that have shifted and changed. First of all, any business, any entrepreneur should be very, very open-minded to shifts in their business model. You should never be married to that first business model. Of course, you shouldn't be scattered all over the place either, but you should... Be flexible and try to keep yourself as open as possible. Too many people get so focused and they invest so much in that first business model that it's hard for them to get out of it, even if they really should. So a few things happened along the way. Number one, I became really a speaker 
for this movement, that is something I did not expect at all because I am a total introvert and I am like, really? I, I, I would not I'm, expect I'm, that. <laughs> I am, well, we're one-on-one, but if you That's saw it. me in a crowded room, I'd probably be like in the corner eating like appetizers, like <laughs> off a little plate, like by myself. So, you know, I get very overwhelmed when there's a lot of people. So I'm good in these situations. Yeah. <laughs> we're like one-on-one, like chilling in a, in a quiet room. But I mean, even to have spoken at someone's wedding, like even a toast would have literally made my heart beat out of my chest three years ago, two years ago. And I guess because I'm so passionate about this and because this means so much to me, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm speaking in front of a lot of people right now and I am not nervous. I'm not nervous. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I guess like, I don't know, it was like a magic feather or something. I don't know what it it was, but I just felt so comfortable. So I was like, okay, let me try this again with a bigger group and a bigger group. And then I ended up speaking at Brown University within my first year of business. And it just launched a whole new thing for me where, you know, I'm speaking at Harvard in the fall and a few different business events also in the fall. I never would have done that two years ago. Never. Not in the, that would have just, I don't care for what amount of money you would not have been able to pay me <laughs> to speak in front of people. And I have a girlfriend who's on, who's on national TV. And I remember saying to her a long time ago, oh man, I'll never be on TV. You couldn't pay me. Never. I would never be able to be on TV. And now I'm like, sure, put me on, <laughs> put me on. No problem. I've, and I never would have expected that. So that's uh-huh. one little shift. That's like a personal shift. Mm-hmm. And then the other shift was you know, I, I created the business to match consultants with businesses to sort of bring the businesses to meet the consultants because the supply was there, but the demand wasn't. So I was like, I'm going to create that demand and start matching people. And what I realized along the way and, and what I'm shifting to, not shifting away from the businesses, but what I'm adding, mm-hmm. I'm adding it to our business is a community model and a coaching model. Because what I realized was these women need, and even some of the men we work with too, they need coaching. They don't know how to pitch themselves. I mean, the amount of times I'm literally like, sometimes I'm listening in on pitches and I'm literally like shaking my head going, please stop saying that. Or like, they they don't realize that they're not sounding confident. You know, when you're going to charge $175 an hour, people expect you to be a baller. You know, you better walk in and know what you're doing and sound like it too. So they all know what they're doing. These are people with Harvard MBAs and people who worked at Goldman Sachs for 15 years. I mean, these are people who are very smart and very accomplished, but it doesn't mean that they can speak about themselves in a way that is super convincing and confident. So I realized that we needed to offer a coaching element. The other thing is along the way, I spent a lot of time with consultants who in the beginning of my business, I met with anyone and everyone. I was like, well, let me just have lots of conversations and kind of listen and and hear what people are saying. And along the way, I helped some people take the leap that they needed to take. And one woman, I mean, I got flowers one day from someone and she was like, I quit my full-time job. And now I'm making the same amount I made at my full-time job. And I'm only working two and a half days a week consulting. And she had followed my advice. And I thought, well, okay, I think we need to offer a coaching model because Uh we know what we're doing. And people, the advice I give people, they're always shocked. They're like, I didn't think about doing it that way or never thought of it. And to me, it was just always obvious. So I never thought anyone would pay for that advice. But what I realized was 
People don't know that. People don't know the tricks of how to do it the right way. They don't know how to price themselves, how to deal with contracts, how not to get hosed by a client. Because I've been there. I've done it already. And 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 then this the other part was this community aspect where I realized, hey, you know, I've built kind of a nice database of working women. Like I said, there are some men, but it's really mostly women. That's what the business was really designed for. And these women are constantly emailing me with questions. Oh, do you mind answering? Do you mind just helping me with this one thing, one thing here? And I was like, you know what? We need to build a community where, you know, a paid for community. It's private where everyone can ask questions and have office hours with the upside and share resources and crowdsource ideas and, and vent about clients or whatever anybody wants to do. But there needs to be a space for that. And so we're, we're moving into that model as well. Yeah, you're expanding so quickly within the year and just building communities yes. for people. What am I doing? No. <laughs> what are you thinking? You said you want to cook dinner every night for your kids. Now you're definitely not. I know. I, yeah, honestly, I, I, that was a, for me, that was a very big decision to make because I knew that if I started expanding, it will take away from some of that lifestyle that I said that I set mm-hmm. for myself, um, but it's worth it. Because first of all, it helps people. So it's not like I'm selling widgets. My work is extremely satisfying. It literally, people email me and say, I have changed their lives. And that is worth telling my kids, you know, (laughs) know, daddy will give you a bath tonight. So it's worth it. But, you know, I, I definitely had to be very conscious of that decision. We tried to roll out a community about six months ago and... I did it sort of one foot in, one foot out. I really didn't put a lot into it. And I was sort of like, hey, like we're you know, maybe launching this thing or, yeah, we'll give it a try. Or, you know, I just was sort of, I didn't put that much effort into it. I didn't put that much design and marketing behind it. And it kind of fizzled and flopped. And I think when you're expanding or when you're testing out new models within your business, It's the same thing I said before. You have to make space for it and you have to go all in. Your customers, your audience, they will sense if it is half-ass. They will Mm -hmm. sense that. Mm -hmm. And now we're doing it all in. And I said I'll have to just sacrifice some of that lifestyle luxury that I set for myself because this is too important not to pursue. The consultants need it and someone's got to do it. So Mm -hmm. here I am. Rolling it out. (laughs) You're saying that you're so passionate about helping people. And what is it, at the end of the day, like, what is it that you want to do for each and every one of these people? I really want people to have fulfilling careers in the field that they love so much. It's just unfair and not right that a man or a woman should have to opt out of the workforce because it's either full-time or not at all, period. Mm -hmm. Or poor pay if it's like a part-time job. Oh, well, now we can pay her nothing. You know, it's, it shouldn't be that way. There should be different levels. I call it talent assortment. You know, companies should have a mix of full-time, part-time, flexible contract, consulting, offsite, remote, you know, it, it should be like a pie chart of people, first of all, it maximizes their productivity and their efficiencies. Some roles really just aren't full-time roles. And I think 
anyone listening has been in a role where they're like, how many hours a day did I actually work? Mm-hmm. If you really added it all up, I can assure you it wasn't eight, ten hours. You know, between getting lunch and a coffee break mm-hmm. and kill time killing some time or you don't want to leave her. I find that to be absolutely unacceptable and just completely ridiculous. And it's actually how I got my first clients because I was basically like, this is not a full-time job if someone knows how to do it, if someone can do it well and I can do it well, give me a chance and I'm going to show you that I'm going to be able to do this hourly and you'll only have to pay me for the time I'm here and you're not going to pay for lunch. You don't have to pay for any of this extra wasted time just for the time I'm working. And he said, okay. I also said, if I can't do it, nobody can, (laughs) which was a very confident thing to say. And he liked that. So, um, and it worked out. I was with that client for a really long time almost a decade. So, um, how do you think people should start to take that first step in trying to, you know, pursue that life? Because people who are currently stuck and they're like, I totally agree with you. And everything you said is very applicable to my life. How do you think they should start in just trying to pursue that type of life? We can start with the entrepreneur one. Okay, the entrepreneur. You know, I think you have to have your finances in order. I mean, that's ground zero. I mean, yeah, you have to pay your rent, you know, and you have to also have a plan for sustainability. So I already burnt out once. I already know what that looked like. And I did not expect that to happen because at the time I was just so passionate about handbags for some reason. (laughs) I mean, what a dumb business idea. So, um, So you have to be able to pace yourself. So to pace yourself, you have to have your finances in order. You have to have a plan. So are you going to consult with one client and then for the other 20 hours a week or 30 hours a week work on your business? How are you keeping yourself afloat? Do you have endless deep pockets and a trust fund? Great. No problem. Yeah, but you still have to pace yourself because there's still pressure. You don't want to run out of money when it's your own money. So I think first and foremost, having... That finance plan is super, super important. And having a plan for two to three years is really important because it takes, people think they're going to make money their first year because their idea is so great. But guess what? Most people don't. And when I say most people, I mean like no one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that means like pretty much no one makes money their first year. And so you just really have to be prepared for that. And you have to be prepared. You have to like check your ego at the door too. Because the business shouldn't be about you. It's about the business. It's about the business model. It's about the mission behind the business and why you started in the first place. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up in the social media part. They get caught up in the super shiny what's on the surface, getting interviewed, podcasts. (laughs) And they get caught up on the me, 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 me. And ultimately... Yes, sometimes the brand is about you, but depending on the business, but ultimately you need to go out and get business. You know, the podcast, like this type of stuff comes if you happen to have extra time that week. But otherwise, like you should be spending all your time getting business, not trying to get press and trying. And that's the other thing you shouldn't, unless you've raised capital, you don't have the money for a PR consultant or a PR firm. And so you're either going to do it yourself for the little time you have to do it, or you're not going to do it at all. And 
that's hard if you have an ego because you're going to see competitors. You're going to see other people in magazines, stories. I mean, I saw a story in Inc. magazine this past month that I was literally like, my company should have been included in that story. But you know what? I don't have a PR firm or a consultant working on my PR and I have to be okay with that. And that sucked to see all the other companies in my space in that piece and mine wasn't especially because I love Inc. Magazine. It's one of my favorite <laughs> magazines in the whole world. And so to see other women, other companies in my space written about in the context of exactly what I'm doing was hard to see. But I think you have to check your ego at the door and say, you know what, remember why I got into this business and keep focusing on growing the business, getting the clients, closing deals, and, and growing. Mm-hmm. It's the mission that's most important. It's the mission that's foremost. most important. And unfortunately, this day and age, it's just, unfortunately, everything is so Instagrammable and everything yeah. is social media and what you project out there. And it stinks. I mean, when I first started this business, I didn't even have an Instagram account for the business. I didn't care. I was like, I don't want to take pictures of myself doing this and yeah, I just didn't, I don't, I, I don't want to do those things. And then a much younger, tech savvy, young entrepreneur said to me, you know, Aaron, not only do you need to do it, but you need to do stories. And people want to see a day in the life of, of the entrepreneur. They want to see where you're going to meetings. They want to see what you're doing all day. And I'm like, why would anyone care? And what I realized was they do care, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we get a lot of engagement with social media and You know, it's just, this is something we didn't have to do 10, 15 years ago. It's just another layer. And then you also are seeing what other people are doing. And you just have to always remember that with the exception of the founders and the accountant, you don't know what's under the hood. They may look like they're just killing it and they've got, you know, they're going here, they're meeting there, they're growing. You don't know what their finances look like. You don't know what's under the hood. You don't know how many hours they're putting in every day. You don't know the sacrifices they're making and you don't know their frustrations. But I don't care how pretty a business looks on the outside. Everybody has struggles. Every single business has struggles and every entrepreneur has struggles. There's good days, there's bad days. And you know, it's what just would you so say important. was your hardest struggle? Oh God. Um, <laughs> hmm, hardest struggle. I'd say the guts of the business is the hardest thing for me. So I'm a marketing person by nature. That's always been my background. I love marketing. It's something that I've always been really passionate about and something I've been good at. So I, I like that part of the business. What I don't like is when like the Gmail thing doesn't sync with the Microsoft thing and then my phone dropped in water and now I have to like <laughs> deal with that and then, you know, the process and the contracts and the the insurance and legal and the the guts, the pipes of the business. Mm. I want to be the interior decorator. Mm. I don't want to be the plumber. And unfortunately, someone's got to do it. And really, it's got to be me at this stage of the business because every decision that's made when it comes to the guts literally either strengthens or weakens the foundation. So I have to do it. And I really just, that is a challenge for me because I just don't like it. I know you've given a lot of advice. Is there any advice you would give to anyone, one that really helped you to get this going? I would say take your time to flush out the idea first because I took about a year I did about a year, while I was still working, I did a year of research 
and development and coming up with different business models, running the numbers. I must have run numbers 200 times in different models to try to figure out how I was going to price things. How was I going to make money helping people? Well, that's not easy. So, you know, I had to really figure out what's fair pricing model, what are other people doing, what sits well with me, what doesn't. You know, a lot of research went into it before actually pulling the trigger, quitting my clients and doing this full time. And I know everybody would give that advice and I am no different. Like, Do your research ahead of time. Speak to as many people as you can in the industry. Flush out the business model. Run those numbers over and over and over again and until you get excited. It took, you know, after the 200th time, I ran the numbers and then I jumped out of the chair and I was like, that's it. That's going to be the model. And you, you just have to get excited about that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank Aaron. you. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, I had so much fun. Thanks for listening and be sure to follow The Upside.